Welcome to the Compass Church Podcast with Pastor Tim Jacobs, a ministry of Compass Church with your Arizona. Join us now as we look into God's Word to be challenged and changed. Well, if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 15. We're wrapping up our Disconnected series today, and we're going to answer the question, Finding, how do we find Jesus in the digital age? So if you have a Bible, turn with me to John chapter 15, starting with verse 5. And as you're turning there, uh, at the time that Jesus walked the earth, they did not have cell phones. They did not have wireless technology, obviously. The closest thing that they had to the concept of a network would be something like this. This is a simple branch, and as you can see, it's got little leaves coming off it. I um, tore it off one of the trees out in the front of our church property. The other branch that I got actually was terrible. It had thorns in it, and I cut it, I just like sawed it off and pulled it down, and it was full of thorns, and it cut my hand everywhere. It was kind of sad. So I went and got another one, Um, so I wouldn't just be all bloody and like a big mess up here but this is a very simple branch that has leaves on it and it's the closest thing to the concept of a network that we have why because as you can see these leaves the only reason that they grow the only reason that they're green the only way they get uh, continual updates system updates refreshment nutrients information data whatever you want to call it is by being fed because they're connected to this branch which is connected to another branch which is connected to the tree, which is connected into the ground. So it's the closest concept that we have to the idea of being connected in a way that can provide refreshment and newness and life and hope and everything else. And so Jesus understood the concept of networks. He understood the concept of connection. And so in his last opportunity to talk to his disciples... He's trying to tell them the importance of staying connected effectively to his network, to always remaining logged on to his system, to never letting um, themselves as little leaves basically break off and become a closed system. Because we know that our devices are only as good as their ability to be connected to something, to connect it to a larger network. Otherwise, they become closed, and they're really not good for a whole lot. And so Jesus tells his disciples, in effect, that you've got to stay connected, and if you do, then there will be fruit. Now, I don't think this tree, this particular branch, is going to grow any fruit, um, because that's not its design. But imagine if it did. It would grow fruit based on what it's been designed to be able to do. And without it, that's never going to happen. And so, Jesus says this to his disciples right before he's crucified. He gives them this metaphor that is close to the concept of the digital age as you could possibly have. And this is what he says in verse 5. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me, and I in you, you will bear much fruit. That's really amazing when you think about it. If you remain in me, and I remain in you, you will bear, not you might bear, you will bear fruit. There will be result. There will be fulfillment. There will be progress. There will be produce according to your design. It will happen. But as Gabe shared, and by the way, man, I gotta tell you, the worship this morning 
was just off the chart. I mean, they do such a good job up here. Especially Gabe, you know, he has his gimpy arm. You don't even really know this. He probably shouldn't even be playing guitar, but he loves you guys, and he loves playing guitar so much that he's, he just killed it. But you notice he said, apart from me, you can do nothing. He quoted that part. It's right here. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Verse 6, if you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. Now, by the way, that's not necessarily a symbol of judgment as much as it is um, a symbol of usefulness. If the branch isn't connected, it dies, and then there's like nothing you can do with it, right? So you just, well, the only thing we can use it for is just throw it in the fire. So it's, it's not necessarily supposed to be a picture of like, you know, if you don't bear fruit, you're going to hell and all that kind of stuff. So d- d- don't overthink this per se. Just follow the illustration. But look at verse 7. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. Now you see, just like this little device that you and I all have, it's only as good as its ability to be connected to the larger network. Because if it loses connection, like I said before, it becomes a closed system where, you know, you can play a few games and you can look at a few photos, but you're not getting any refreshment. You're not getting any newness. You're not getting any life. You're not getting anything that's going to um, inspire you or, bring you or give you answers. And Jesus is saying very clearly, guys, the only way to be able to understand life, the only way to produce anything of value, the only way to get answers to the questions in your life, to be able to see what life is all about, is you've got to remain. You've got to stay connected. You've got to stay logged on constantly to this network because it's getting, it's, it's this network here where get, the water comes and the nutrients come and the ability to grow fruit and everything else. And you know that anxiety that you have when you, well, let me ask you, if you're like me, when you leave your phone somewhere, do you not have, like, anxiety attacks? Like, if you leave, like yesterday, my wife and I, or Friday, we were going to the gym, and she's like, I left my phone at the house, right? And it's like, you have to recover from that, you know? Because we're not turning around because we're already too far on the way, and it's like, okay, what am I going to do? You know, well, we could tell the kids if they need to, like, you know, I text them from my phone and say, if you need to contact us, just, you know, to co- contact my phone because you have this anxiety if you don't if you're not connected if you don't have that connection you're like what am I going to do and Jesus is that same kind of anxiety that you feel should be the sense of you're longing to want to stay connected all the time to Jesus because why apart from me you can do nothing you can you can do a few things but you can't do anything of real value and I was thinking about this and I was thinking do we really believe this do we really believe that there's a supernatural, invisible, life-giving, life-sustaining, wireless feed coming into our souls that's nothing less than the actual power of the actual God of the universe who is all-knowing and all-powerful, everywhere present at all times, who is continually refreshing and updating our system. Do we actually believe that that power is possible and available to us? Because I oftentimes think we live as though we don't. We live as a closed system, spiritually. 
And it's like I was thinking how amazing it is that the power of God could actually radiate through our lives. And just like our phone is constantly looking for how to get updated, how to be refreshed, how to be upgraded in terms of its software, we have, to, we have that ability by God to be continually refreshed that way. And I wonder if we actually think that. And if you don't believe that, why is it that you can believe that an invisible information can come out of the sky from space? I don't even know where it comes from. I don't know how I can sit here and hit a button when a song pops in my head and go, I want to hear that song. And I can hit a button on this thing, and then I can hear it. Where does it come from? I don't know. I don't even know. Some of you tech nerd guys, you know, I know it comes from a satellite. I don't even know if it comes from a satellite, if it comes from, I don't know where it comes from. All I know is it shows up. You can take a picture from the other side of the world and I can see a live image from the other. I don't know how it works, but you don't doubt that it works because it happens all the time. Yet I can believe that this can be updated, that this can be refreshed, that this can have the ability. I can, I can be at the middle of the desert and I can go, I want to read one of the ancient works of antiquity. Hit a button and I'm reading it. I don't understand how that works. But yet it's so hard for me to comprehend the importance and the vital need that I have to be constantly connected and remain in and remain with the love of God and the connection to that, to that vine so I can get that constant update and that source and that life. Because I don't know about you guys, but I die pretty quick. I wither pretty quick. I start to get, there's no fruit coming out of here. Really quick. And I think, but what is, what is possible? That's the thing that, that blows me away. What is possible if I were to remain in the vine if I were to be like one of these little branches and connected to the roots and so the the question we have to look at is like what does he tell us to do so this is what he tells us to do in verse 9 he says as the father loved me so I have loved you now remain in my love remain and that word remain is really specific it means to dwell to live to hang out, to stay, to lodge at, to just be right there and not go anywhere else. It's, again, you know, and in our family there is a big dispute because we had our little router in a certain part of the house. And in other parts of the house where our kids were, they weren't getting a lot of signal, you know. And so they would complain about that. Like, you know, it takes me forever to get a little page on my, on my little uh, iPad or whatever else downloaded because it wasn't very strong. So I had to go to a different part of the house because they weren't in the right spot. So when you remain in the spot where you need to be, you remain in that realm of connection to Jesus. You stay right where you are. He says, that's what you need to do. And the amazing thing about it is the fruit in the illustration is the result of remaining. And it's not the power of you. See, you and I often think, well, if I just work hard enough and do all this stuff, then somehow, you know, some way, if I get enough inspiration, I'll be able to do something great. And the illustration is the result, the produce, the good thing that happens, it, yeah, it comes from you, but it comes as a result of remaining. It's really a result of the soil, of the tree, of the branch that's, being, that's feeding all of that. You are just like the catalyst for it, not the catalyst, the conduit for it, rather. The conduit. 
You, so that's the amazing thing. We oftentimes worry, well, what am I producing? What am I producing? Am I going to do anything good with my life? And Jesus is saying, I don't want you to worry about that so much. I want you to worry about remaining, staying connected, staying logged on, staying in that realm, and never leaving that. And we, see, that's the part we, we miss. We go, well, I'm going to go out and do all these things that matter, and hopefully I can stay connected. No, Jesus is saying, stay connected, and you will produce fruit. You will under, uh, understand and experience fulfillment. You will see great joy in your life. All you got to do is stay connected. All you got to do is stay logged on. The question is, how? You see, a lot of sermons that, you could, that I could preach would just say, so you just got to stay connected. Amen? Everybody go, amen, we're going to stay connected. I have no idea how to do that, right? It sounds good. Might, you know, you go to lunch afterwards, whatever, and it's still early. It's still late breakfast. So what do you think about sermon? That was great. Got to stay connected to the vine. Got to stay logged on. That was a good illustration. I don't know how to do it. I don't know what that means. What does it mean to remain? What does it mean to dwell, to live, to lodge? Because I was thinking about that. How do you, how do you stay close to Jesus? Because it's so like, okay, I'm going to give you like a 10-step process, you know. Well, you know, you got to spend time with God, and you know, spend a little five minutes a day, and, or ten minutes a day, and then you got to read your Bible and all this kind of stuff. And that's all well and good. But when you really think about it, it started, it started hitting me. How do you remain? Well, the wonderful thing about it is he tells us. This is like really, really amazing. He tells us how to remain. And it's in verse 10. Look what he says. If you keep my commands, you will remain. Wow. This is really simple. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And look at this. Because remember, we talk about Jesus not just being 100% God, but 100% man. So he shows us how to do it. He was the first one. He modeled the way. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. In other words... If you take what I say and you act on it as though it were actually true, as though it was the law of your life, as though it superseded everything else that could hit you, everything else that could vie for what, you, what is important and what is true and what you should do. If you put my commands over all of that, you will remain. And if you remain, you will bear fruit. Meaning there's fulfillment. There's joy. There's this amazing life of abundance. There's this, I would never live life any other way because there's impact on the people around me. There's my use of my gifts and my talents and my abilities and all of that. And there's this amazing picture of God's usefulness in your life. How God uses you all the time to do stuff you never thought you could do. But it goes back to remaining and remaining happens not when we just like say, well, I'm going to go to church on Sunday and whatever else, but if I keep his commands, and I love that because it's action-oriented. Not to get too heavy on you guys, but I was thinking a lot about this. And this is amazing. It was talking about the digital age and navigating the, di the dangers of the digital age. And remember that one of the dangers is the constant draw to the virtual as opposed to the real. So the virtual sexual experience. You know, like I say, the world 
wants to give us screens, we want skin. We want the real thing. But the world wants to give us screen. Here's a, watch this on a screen. That's not what we need. We need skin, not a screen. The world wants to give us friendships that are shallow. There's just like thousands and thousands of friends, but no real intimacy. Marriage is the same thing. I can, I can have, I can have a voyeuristic look at life where I can have, uh, as opposed to real intimacy with a real person, I can go over here and it's virtual. So everything's virtual, virtual, virtual. And it's important to remember that when Jesus rose from the dead, he didn't rise from the dead virtually. He rose from the dead in three dimensions. He rose from the dead bodily, real. It could not get more real, could not get more physical, could not get more three-dimensional than that. And so what he's calling us to do is not, not just assent to belief virtually, but to actually three-dimensionally live and obey with our bodies and with our whole soul and keep his commands. That's how you do it. And so this is what he tells us to do. And so it becomes the dominant force in our lives. And the way to remain, thus what I would tell you, the way to remain and, and thus to find life is to keep his commands over every other cultural rule that emerges from the digital age. In other words, there's going to be constantly stuff coming out in your phone, and your tablet, and your computer, whatever else, telling you how we should live, and telling you about the changing social mores, and the changing cultural developments, and how we need to evolve, and we need to be different, times aren't like they used to be. And Jesus is saying, listen, you keep my commands over everything else, you make those things a priority, and live them as though they were true, and you will remain Now the challenge with this is what Jesus is asking for is an entire reorientation of your life. And it brings one to a place where they would say, am I really ready for this? So this week, this weekend is Memorial Day. As you know on Memorial Day, this is the day that we commemorate those who have served our country and who have died in the service of our country. And it's a really important holiday that we have. And the thing about it, and I was reflecting on my own military experience thus far. And I remember when I first um, started applying to join the military, join the Air Force Reserve. And the military does a great job with recruiting. I mean, they, they have great marketing. You know, like, be all you can be and aim high and all this kind of stuff. You heard these slogans and they get them on TV and radio. And you call the recruiter. And when you call the recruiter, they're, you know, as long as you answer a couple basic questions, like, so they're not wasting your time and, and their time. Like, hey, they're excited. They want to tell you all the great things about, about joining the military, right? I mean, here's how it can be great for you. And, and here's what you can do. And here's all the opportunities, blah, 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 blah. And it's wonderful. So I go through this whole process, and I'm, and I'm all the way getting towards the very end of the process, and right as I'm about to be officially inducted into the military, they call me on the phone, and you guys know, if you've been, if you've gone through this process, there's a point which, where you're all excited and enamored, and they're, they're, they're like, yeah, this is going to be great for you, that the tables kind of turn. And the tables turn when, in my case, when they called me and said, hey, Mr. Jacobs, you know, all your paperwork's through, and everything's good, um, we just need one more thing. Just one little thing. We need you to come down here, and we need you to raise your right hand, and we need you to swear an oath. And then we need you to follow that oath up with a sworn affidavit stating what you just said. Because really, all, all we're asking for is just one more thing when it really comes down to it. We're just simply asking for your life. That's all we're asking. 
And so you go down and you raise your right hand. And you say, I, state your name. Do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic. That I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same. That I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I'm about to enter. So help me God. Congratulations, you are now an asset of the United States government. You're in. What have you just done? You've just raised your hand and swore your life to the service of your country. And what's so wonderful about Memorial Day is there's something in us who we, we take people and we honor those who made that oath their law. They lived by it to the point where when it came time for them to make good on that oath and it required them to give everything they did and there's something about that that makes us stand back and go that seems to be the pinnacle of humanity that seems to be the essence of the greatness that a human being can achieve that's what we do. That's why we have parades. That's why we put flags out. That's why we have these moments of silence. And that's why we take a day off of work and all those kind of things. That's why we're supposed to. Because there's supposed to be like an awareness of the fact that there have been men and women who have taken the oath and made it their law, giving everything. Because at the end of the day, they understood. They sat back with sober and serious consideration about what was being asked of them. And I think what happens with Christianity, if I could just share for a moment, is we've become really good at marketing. We're really good at saying, come to church, not just our church, but a lot of churches. We're going to have great music and we'll have nice coffee and there'll be nice people and nice like wide chairs so you're not, you know, scraping your legs with somebody else that's kind of awkward and weird. You know, you have plenty of room to sit. And, and, and we want to tell you that Jesus can help you solve the problems in your life. You got a messed up marriage, you got crazy kids, you got finance out of control. Jesus can help you. you. All you have to do is believe that you're a sinner. I mean, we all make mistakes. This shouldn't be that hard to do. Just believe that you're messed up. And we'll try to help you figure out how you are messed up. We'll point that out to you. You believe it. And then you believe that Jesus died for all that. And then all you got to do is put up your hand and pray a little prayer and just say, I believe that. And when you believe that, you're in the group. And when you believe that, you can join the church. And so that's actually pretty good. Because we say Jesus can solve the problem that you have. That's not bad. It's a fine thing. But what's the problem? The problem is that unlike the military... We don't, we aren't very good at saying, hey, by the way, before you put up your hand, before you pray the prayer, there is just one more thing. And the one more thing is that this Christianity thing is kind of an all or nothing gig. It's kind of an all in kind of a thing to where it's, it's not just if I just say I believe mentally. It, the pro, we, we have that. We have Ephesians 2, 8, 9. You know, um, uh, we are, by grace we are saved. So please don't hear me advocating a works-based salvation or the fact that you're saved by works. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. But we, we, of course we say, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart, well, of course we believe that. But then you've got, you've got verses like John 15 
So you remain in me and obey what I command. That's how you do that. And so the other side of the coin is we're only just asking for one more thing. Jesus is only asking for one thing, and that is your life. And I wonder if it would be more becoming of us as Christian um, churches, just as a Christian culture, before we get so excited about going, just raise your hand and pray, just raise your hand and pray. If we could say, you know what? Before you do that, can you at least take a step back and examine what it is you're about to do? Are you prepared for this? Are you prepared to no longer have money be your God? So when Jesus says, hey, don't run around storing up for yourselves treasures on earth where the moths eat up your wool clothing. Not that we wear that in Arizona. But the moths chew away at your clothes and the rust Choose away the resale value of your Audi. Don't use your money for that purpose. Instead, use your money to store up for yourselves treasures in heaven because there it never goes away. And you're going to be spending a lot more time there than you are here. Are you prepared to reorient your whole life where money is not your goal anymore? Are you prepared for that? Before you raise your hand, before you sign the thing, before you, are you prepared? Are you prepared to no longer have sex be your God? To where those of you who are older, and some of you guys that I've talked to you, you have these post-marriage relationships. Because, you know, you had like a, maybe like a, uh, your spouse passed away, or there's a divorce, whatever else. And now you're in this post-marriage relationship, and you don't want to get married because we have this screwed up tax system in America. Where if you get married, it's going to mess you up financially because of your social security or whatever else. And so you go, well, I don't want, we don't want to get married because we don't want to have a financial implication. Okay, but so you can do everything else and act married but not get married. So are you prepared, if you're going to actually say, if you're going to actually remain, and remaining means obeying commands, and that means doing what Jesus told you to do, living how he told you to live, does that mean, are you prepared to have it cost you? Are you prepared to have it not make logical sense to your accountant? Are you prepared to not have it make logical sense to your children and to Uncle Sam? Why would you do that? Are you prepared for that? Those of you who are young and you're all fired up with all these hormones, you're like, man, I just, I want to do all this. I want to I have this experience. Are you prepared to surrender your sexuality to God, to His rule? So it's not the thing that rules you, but his rule rules your sexuality. And that might mean delaying your sexual experience years longer than you had hoped. Years longer than your friends are. Years longer than everybody else in your life. Because you say, I'm going to do this the way God said I'm going to do it, or I'm not going to do it. Before you, before you put the, 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 the fish on the back of your car, are you prepared for that? Are you prepared, those of you in middle age... You've been married for a bunch of years and marriage is boring and you're kind of slogging it through because the kids are, you know, just, you know, that was causing problems and always, you know, there's money issues and stress. You haven't had sex in a month or whatever and you're frustrated and you're like, what's going on with my marriage? And there's all these temptations coming through on the internet and at work and everything else. Are you prepared to, to pay the price of, of slogging it through a difficult time and staying faithful to your spouse? Are you prepared for that? Or is it like, you know what? I don't know. Those of you in here who may be struggling with the same sex attraction. 
Are you prepared to say, you know, God, I wish I wasn't like this. I wish it wasn't this way. But I believe what you say about how I need to express my sexuality. And if, I, if that means that I don't ever get to have a sexual experience the way that I'm inclined to have a sexual experience, the way that I feel like I'm wired, the, thing, the, the desires that I have, if that means I have to just sit this one out and then, and, and because I actually believe that maybe you have something better for me, that actually obeying you is better than going my own way. Obeying you is better than giving in to these desires that I know you don't want me to act on. And that heaven is way better and that eternity has opportunity for far more intimacy and far more fulfillment and far more life than what I can experience here apart from you. Do, are you prepared for that? This is the kind of stuff that he calls us to, you know? And see, I guess, and I was struggling with this message because I'm like, man, it's Memorial Day. Why don't we just like talk about having a barbecue or something and just, you know, make it fun. I could crack some jokes and, you know, whatever. And it's like, I just, the whole week I asked my wife because I'm like, oh, I don't know about this message because I feel like it's heavy, 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 heavy. But I kept thinking in my brain, I'm like, I've been doing this for a while. How do you stay close to Jesus? How do you connect with God? And he says, keep my commandments. And I'm not talking about losing your salvation. I'm saying, what brings fruit? What brings fulfillment? What brings joy? It's not just mentally assenting to a set of beliefs. It's not just making Jesus a well part of your balanced diet, like bran. You know what I mean? Eat a little bit of bran and you'll be fine. No, you'll go to the bathroom 18 times a day. You know what I'm saying? What does it mean to, to not just, I don't just fit Jesus in here and then go off and do my life. Well, Jesus got to help me while I'm on the journey to everything. No, no, no. Jesus is everything. Everything. And that's like, God, that's like the, the one thing I want to say more than anything else. And that's what I see he's saying in this passage. He's saying, remain in my love. And the way you do that is you make, you make my words your law. And I just feel like, I feel like as a, as a culture, as a Christian culture, I just don't, I just don't think like we, I don't think we get that. Are you prepared to no longer be ruled by self? Well, it's your story. You're the main character in your own story. What if you're not? What if it's your story and you're not the main character? What if you're the supporting character? What if God's the main character in your story? I mean, I look at these guys and gals in Memorial Day, and it's their story, but they didn't see themselves as the main character. And still, and that, it's, it's that, you know what I mean? Like, well, I want this, I want that, I want, I mean, all these people who perished in the service of our country, they did it in knowing that they're sacrificing, potentially, whether they knew what was coming or not, they want to have a long life. They want to have grandkids. They want to be able to retire someday and go play golf. They want to do all these things. Why not? And they said, but I'm not the main character in my story. <laughs> we say these things and we act like, you know, it's like should be common knowledge. And then it's like, maybe it's just a sober judgment. But, but the point is not to just make, put us down and make us feel bad. The point is, that is the pathway to life. That is the only way for joy. And again, just as a mild ob observer of world events and people, it's like, without it, there's always pain without it there's always emptiness without it what happens is there's no there's no fruit on this thing at all like there's just nothing that grows and that, that just dies and withers away there's no life there's no inspiration there's no hope there's no any of that so we make we make 
Jesus' words are law. By the way, it's a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't happen overnight. But to remain is obey. Now, don't, don't get me wrong. Don't be, don't, again, don't think that I'm advocating a works-based salvation. Don't think I'm saying you've got to go out and do, do, do just to, to make God happy. No, it's, it's not that. It's I'm trying to give you an, an honest, full picture of the Christian life. Because too often, it's the recruitment part. Too often, it's the raise your hand, believe, and say, well, I believe in Jesus. But there's no, there's, there's no difference in the way that you or anyone else lives their life. And all I'm telling you is I think the reason is because we've got to be people who say, look, it's not just the praying the prayer and asking Jesus into my heart. It's the are you prepared for what he's asked of you? Because it's just one little thing and it's your life. It's everything. But in that life that you surrender, you get everything. You get everything. something beautiful about that and I think I think you know what I'm talking about and so the journey that I want us as, as people as members of Compass Church to take is this kind of thing where no matter what happens you know no matter what comes through this device telling me how I'm to live my life you know because like I even just read an article this morning about um about young people in particular on 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 uh, social media and it's like the the, the inter- this device tells them that they're pretty I'm not pretty unless someone, someone in here, something coming out of this tells me I'm pretty. I don't, I don't, I'm not important unless something here tells me I'm important. And I measure it against everybody else and everybody else's accomplishments and successes and what they're doing and, you know, the car that they have and the, the people that they're with and the stuff they get to do and everything that, that this thing tells me about the people around me, that's how I gauge my success and my fulfillment where I get my happiness from. Guys, it's not working. And so to wrap up this series, here's the thing. We all, we all want the same thing. There's nothing wrong with what you want, but what, what network are you on? What are you logged on to right now? You want sexual fulfillment? Great. Nothing wrong with sexual fulfillment. We just do it the way God wants us to do it. Because without, without that, there will be no fulfillment. You want intimacy? Great. Nothing wrong with intimacy. Intimacy is amazing. We obey the commands of Jesus. And we do it the way he wants us to do it. And we settle for nothing less. And we become rather ruthless in that respect. We become pretty hardcore in that respect. And all of a sudden the fruit just starts to come. That's the journey. So it's not going to happen overnight. For some of us, you know, it's like a lot of us, it's three steps forward, two steps back. I struggle all the time. It's not that. It's the issue of who, under whose law am I living? And that's the main thing I want to drive home today. Because the, the essence of it is beauty. The essence of it is a life that is lived where you go, I never thought it could be this amazing. Even despite the challenges, despite the pain, despite the, the, cha- the, the horrible things that you may be facing right now in your life. To say, it doesn't matter. I'm going to stay connected no matter what. I'm going to remain. And how do I remain? It's simply I obey. And I obey by saying what you said is everything. It's a heavy sermon for Memorial Day weekend. And it's an interesting way for us to close our time, to close our, our series. When we look at the past five weeks and we've looked at, again, the, the, um, you know, we talked about having real sex in the digital age and, and uh, strong marriage and, and effective parenting and meaningful work and, and true friendship and all that stuff. You know, all that stuff's great. None of that stuff happens. None of that happens until I'm first connected and I remain in the vine. And I just say, God, it's, you're not a part of my life. 
Jesus, you're a part of my life. You are my life. You're everything. I was watching a documentary about Steve Jobs the other night. And it was interesting because they were talking about the iPhone. And they were interviewing this one woman. And she said, um, she said, because the interviewer was saying, this device is so amazing. Pe- people, people love these devices. And they love them because it's an extension of you. And she goes, no, 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 no. No. This, they don't love it because it's an extension of you. It is you. Your imprint is in here. Your pictures, your memories, your thoughts, your music, your, your messages, everything. It's, it's, it, they love it because it is them. And I was like, whoa, that is a little extreme. But think about it. If the, if the source, if God is continually feeding into me and feeding into me and feeding into me, I decrease, he increases. My life becomes consumed by him. He's, I'm no longer just a reflection even. I become his desires, his goals, his, his, everything that he wants for me. And that's what this is about. And only, only in that is a life well lived and a life of joy. Let's pray. God, today I, I want to just take a moment and ask collectively on our behalf, God, that if there's anyone in here today who says, you know, I need to move from just simply believing to actually living. God, I pray that right where they are, they just say, you know, God, I've, I've said I believe. But I haven't made your words my law. I haven't made your words my life. I'm still hedging. I'm still picking and choosing. I haven't elevated what you've said to the point where it's a little crazy because it does make me different than the world it does make me different than conventional wisdom it does make me different than the stuff that's coming through my device and telling me how to live and what to do and what value is and what meaning is and I pray that if there's anyone here today who's ready to say you know what I've said I believe but now I need to live I haven't been living that right where they are, they just say, God, I'm ready to take that next step. I'm ready to take that next step of the vine and the branches. God, I want to remain. I want to bear fruit. I see clearly what's being asked of me. And I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my life today. Whatever it costs. Whatever it costs. Whatever it requires of me to do Because it's not just virtual faith. It's real faith. It's real belief. Followed by tangible, three-dimensional, biological action. Empirical, observable data being presented by how I live my life to demonstrate the fact of showing myself to be a disciple. God, no more games. Thank you for the call. Thank you that it's pretty hardcore. Thank you that all you want is everything. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for joining us today. Why not ask God to change your life so you can go and change your world for Him? 
find out more about our church online, go to www.compasschurch.info. And we'll see you next time.